thing, and then. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn with me, please, to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy. We're going to look at 2 Timothy. chapter 3, and we'll look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, and we'll look at verse four, beginning in verse 14, and we'll go through um, chapter 5, I'm, I'm sorry, chapter 4, verse 5. Um, so 2 Timothy chapter 3 is probably a very familiar passage for some of us. Um, 2 Timothy chapter 3, um, verses four, 14 through f- chapter 4, verse 5. Um, I will reference, um, just to let you know, Hosea chapter 4 as well. Um, verses 1 through 6, but uh, we'll not read that passage together. But 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 through chapter 4, verse 5. And if, you have, uh, if you're physically able to do so and you have a copy of God's Word, I would invite you to stand with me as we do honor the reading of God's holy and written Word. Uh, Rev, uh, speaking from 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning in verse 14 and following, hear the Word of the Lord that's given to us this morning. But continue in the things which you have learned and have been assured of, knowing of whom you have learned them, and that from a child you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished to all good works. I charge you... Before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts they shall heap to themselves teachers, having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned to fables. But watch in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of your ministry. All right, let's pray together. Father, we have now come to your word. God, may we submit to your word, we ask in Christ's name. Amen and amen. Thank you. You can be seated. One of the greatest pastors, preachers of all time was a man by the name of Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones. Dr. Jones was a Welsh pastor. He was a, a Welsh minister who was born at the turn of century. He was born in 18, uh, of last, I guess, uh, of uh, 1899 and died in the year of our Lord, 1981. Uh, Dr. Jones uh, was, uh, was known for being an, uh, the famed minister at Westminster Chapel in London for nearly 30 years. Prior to this, he was a medical doctor who served uh, the palace. And someone once asked him about preaching. He was asked exactly what preaching was, to which he simply responded by saying, What is preaching? Logic on fire. Preaching is theology coming through a man who is on fire. A true understanding and experience of the truth must lead to this. I say again that a man who can speak about these things dispassionately has no right whatsoever to be in a pulpit and should never be allowed to enter one. I think he's right. I think he's 100% right. A man who is not moved by passion, with passion for the gospel, a man who is not moved with passion for the church of Jesus Christ, a man who can speak dispassionately about the truths of the word of God, is not fit to be in the pulpit. 
So this morning, what I would like to do is I would like to continue to examine the, the marks of a healthy church. And uh, I, what I want to do is, is uh, and, and not just a healthy church, but I would say a happy church, a church that, that enjoys Christ and, and encourages one another, who loves Christ, who loves one another genuinely. And so let's examine, let's examine the second mark, or the first mark of a, of a healthy and happy church, and that is the, the importance of biblical preaching. The importance of biblical preaching. Do you know one of the, one of the, the realities uh, that points us to the importance of biblical preaching is the fact that God condemns the nation of Israel in the Old Testament for their prophets not preaching what God had told them to preach. God had been very clear, God was very clear with the nation of Israel that one of the reasons why they were suffering was because their priests had sold them out and so had their prophets. Their priests and their prophets had sold them out for monetary gain. And as a result, they refused to preach the hard things. And as a result, God's people, uh, whether through ignorance or through out-and-out blasphemy, refused to obey the Word of God as it had been revealed to them in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant. And so, we, so it is that we read in a passage um, that I mentioned that we would, we, would, uh, we would talk about in passing. But in Hosea chapter 4... We read in Hosea chapter 4, listen to this. The prophet Hosea speaking, Hear the word of the Lord, you children of Israel. For the Lord is a controversy with the inhabitants of the land, because there is no truth, nor mercy, nor knowledge of God in the land. Now, whose feet did that lay at? Well, certainly it did lay at the people of God's feet, because they did have the Scriptures. But ultimately, it laid at the prophet's feet and the priest's feet, because they were to feed the word of God to the people of God. But listen, listen to what Hosea goes on to say to them. By swearing and lying and killing and stealing and committed adultery, they break out and, they, and blood touches blood. Therefore shall the land mourn and everyone that dwells therein shall languish. With the beasts of the field and with the fowl of heaven, yea, the fishes of the sea also shall be taken away. Yet let no man strive nor reprove another, for your people are as they that strive with the priest." Therefore shall you fall in the day, and the prophet also shall fall with you in the, in the night, and I will destroy your mother. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge, because you have rejected knowledge. I will also reject you, that you shall be no priest to me, seeing you, shall, you have forgotten the law of your God. I will also forget your children. But do you see God's, God's, um, God's condemnation of the nation of Israel? It wasn't just that the prophets and the priests were not preaching God's word. It was also that they were rejecting those prophets and those priests who were preaching God's word. They were saying, no, 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 no. We want to listen to the nice things. We want to listen to the smooth things. We want to listen to the easy things that we want to be told that things are good and fine. And so Jesus himself would reference the fact that the, that the, 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 the nation of Israel murdered the faithful priests um, we believe that, uh, that Isaiah is the prophet that was spoken of in Hebrews chapter 11 that was sawn in half by Manasseh. We believe that many other, we know that many other prophets were murdered in horrendous, wicked ways for their refusal to preach, the, or for their refusal to not preach the word of God, for their, for their obedience to God, they were murdered. 
And I think that, that, the, that it would be easy for us to say, well, this is just the Old Testament, right? Like people today really, really want to hear the Bible. But I would say to you that, that as we look throughout Scripture, Scripture is very clear that more often than not, because our hearts are idol factories, our hearts lead us to sin and to harden our hearts against the truth of God's word instead of being soft, which, wherein lies the Spirit's work, where He softens our hearts and leads us to repentance through the goodness of God. We see this over and over again throughout the Old Testament, throughout the Old Covenant, the priests and the prophets who were, were refusing to do so uh, were, or were refusing to instruct God's people in God's law. Um, but those that were were being murdered. And it's, it's true today. There are many pastors. There are, there are, are I, I wouldn't put a number on it, but there are a good number of pastors who find it easier to preach the smooth and the nice things of God rather than to preach the difficult truths of God's word. And so it's easier, truthfully, it's easier to, to tell people nice things than it is to tell, tell people hard things. Um, and this is, this is true. The, but Scripture is, is so, in too, so important and too important for us to play games with the word of God. It is so important and it, that it is too important for us to play games with the Word of God. See, under the Old Covenant, the pro, God gave the prophets revelation and, and, the, and gave them the law of Moses, and therefore they wrote. And so by the time Paul is writing to Timothy, he is talking about the Old Covenant. He is talking about the Old Testament, right, from Genesis to, uh, to Malachi. He is talking about that. But by this point in Paul's writing to Timothy, he's not only talking about the, the Old Covenant and the writers of the Old Testament. There, there are other passages, there are other books of the Bible that had already come into existence that the church had already recognized. The Gospel of Mark was one of the earliest Gospels written. Um, you would have had all of Paul's writings prior to this that were readily acknowledged as uh, those that were inspired, they were recognized by the church of Jesus Christ and were already being put together with the Old Testament <clears throat> truths of uh, with the Old Testament scriptures and so we would have these writings that Paul is then referencing to the pastor Timothy and he's saying to him that you cannot shy away from preaching the word of God the entire counsel of the word of God they the scriptures need to be taught to the people of God listen and, and, and as you look at this passage in 2 Timothy chapter 3 uh, verse 16 through 4 5 Here's a couple things that you come that become very evident to us that Paul makes very clear to us. So, for instance, the Bible, um, Paul is very clear in telling us that from Genesis to to what would ultimately become the Book of Revelation that we now have today, uh, it is all the Word of God, and that being the Word of God means that it is inspired by God. Literally, the Spirit of God breathed the Word of God out of, uh, out of the, the mouth of God and into the ears of man and inspired them to write Holy Scripture. We are told that the Bible then is perfect. It is sufficient. We are told that the Bible is authoritative. It is clearly expressed. It is powerful. It is relevant. And yet, while people, people would readily say, Amen! Ask the average Christian how much time they spend in the Bible. 
Ask, how, ask the average Christian how many Bibles that they own. You know the answer in the United States? You know the answer for the average Christian in the United States is? It's somewhere around the uh, four or five. Right? Four or five. Well, that's great, right? We, have a, we just have an overflow and a running over. But you begin to then ask that same believer some basic doctrinal truths, and what do you find? Well, you find that we don't quite know that which we say we believe from cover to cover. How can we say we believe something when we don't know what it says from cover to cover? I mean, it's great to say, I believe the Bible, as the old preachers would say, from kiver to kiver, right? I believe the Bible from kiver to kiver. Well, great. Tell me about what's in that Bible. Well, Jesus died for my sins. Great. Tell me something else. Well, we know that Moses built the ark. And Noah spent three days and three nights in the belly of a whale. None of those things happened, by the way, just so you know. This is why the majority of Christians who, who call themselves Christians today, when, when polled, don't believe the Holy Spirit is an actual person. They believe he is a force. They don't believe in the Trinity. They don't believe, they don't believe that Jesus was sinless. Uh, brothers and sisters, the Bible, the Bible must be the center of our, of our life because when it becomes the center of our lives as a church and as a family, as individual believers, we realize that there are great many things that we need to know. Even today, there are many churches out there, and this is not to church bash, but there are many churches out there who say they believe the Bible 100%, and yet they, re- they re- rely upon gimmicks and schemes to try to get people to come to the local church or any church. We must return the Bible to its core, to the core of every local church, to the church, to the church just in general, the church itself, the church herself must be must be committed to the basic doctrines of scripture we need to believe that the purpose for coming together is to worship god and part of worshiping god is the his hearing the preaching of the word the preaching of the word must be central to everything that we do so listen listening to a sermon is an act of worship right it's not just something that we do Right? Listening to a sermon, preaching a sermon is an act of worship. Listening to a sermon is an act of worship. And listening to a sermon is as much of an act of worship as giving or singing or any other part of our service. We must sit as the church of Jesus Christ underneath the word of God and receive it with humility. And we must preach the Old and New Testament. We must preach to new and mature believers. We must make gospel application in every sermon. I mean, all of this has to be done if we're going to say that we truly are preaching the Bible. And I would say this to you. Do you know, do you know that outside of that, that qualifications, that, that character is exalted more so over 
the pastor's ability to preach, although it does, it does separate the pastors, um, the pastors from the deacons insofar as that the pastors or the elders are able, supposed to be able, they must be able to preach. And so that's why if you go f- back to 1 Timothy in chapter, First cha- Timothy chapter 3, here is the qualification set forth by, to the pastors or the elders of the local congregation. And it is simply this, they must be apt to teach. And in Titus 1.9, they must hold fast the faithful word. Right? Same, same truths being taught there in 1 Timothy and, and Titus. Um, and applied here in 2 Timothy chapter, uh, chapter 3 and 4. Um, because because notice, notice, what, notice what Paul does to the pastor Timothy. He says, so this is the word of God. Right, and he gives lists everything that's right there, right? That is profitable for doctrine, for uh, reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. You know, he goes on about that. You know, he talks about that it's able to make you wise for salvation. He does all this, and what is the very next thing out of Paul's mouth in chapter four, Second Timothy chapter four, verse one? I charge you before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at His appearing and His kingdom. Preach. The word. That's it. Simple. Preach the word. Preach the scriptures. Tell God's people what God has said. Tell God's people what God has said. In 1 Timothy, Paul instructs Timothy to deal with the false teachers, and he does so in Titus. And how does he do this in 1 Timothy and, and, and in 2 Timothy? Well, Paul, first and, first and foremost, instructs Timothy to appoint elders, that is pastors, right, uh, wherever uh, within every local congregation, right, and to protect that congregation from, from uh, false teaching. In Titus, he does the same thing. 1 Timothy chapter 3, Paul seems to be focused completely and clearly on the qualifications for these pastors as they apply to not only existing pastors, but also to those that would come forward. And brothers and sisters, we must care that our pastors preach the word of God. So much so that Paul makes a, makes a very clear statement to the Ephesian elders, the Ephesian pastors in Acts chapter 20, verses 17 through 35. If you turn there, you will read Paul's, um, Paul's sermon, uh, departing words to, to the Ephesian, uh, or I'm sorry, to, yeah, to the Ephesian pastors there. Um, and in Acts chapter 20, verse 17, listen to what he says here, right? Listen to what he says here in Acts chapter 20, verse 17. He says, and from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. That is the pastors of the church, right? So anytime you see elders in the New Testament, just automatically think pastors. That's what they're talking about, okay? Pastors. And so he says, he called the elders or the pastors of the church. And when they were come to him, he said to them, You know from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons, serving the Lord with all humility of mind, with many tears and temptations which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews, and how I kept back nothing that was profitable to you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly from house to house, testifying to both the Jews and also to the Greeks repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, 
not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnessed, to every, witnessed in every city, saying that the bonds and afflictions abide me, or that is, await me. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear to myself, so that I might finish my course with joy in the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the, uh, the grace of God. And now, behold, I know that you all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, shall see my face no more. Wherefore, I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men. For I have not shunned to declare to you all the counsel of God. And just stop right there. You notice Paul's phrase there that he uses to the, to the uh, Ephesian pastors? Paul has been intimately in their lives as a friend, uh, as, as, a, as, as a discipler of these pastors. And he told them, listen, I have spent time with you. I have discipled you. I have taught you. And, and, and I need you to understand that this is how you are going to protect, protect the gospel and protect the church. You are going to protect the church by teaching the truth. Because when untruth comes in, it surely will. Paul goes on to tell them that I know that, unless, that even in taking heed to yourselves or watching out for yourselves, there are going to be some like wolves who will sneak in and will seek to devour God's flock, even from among yourselves. Why? Because they haven't been guarded by the, by the, by the truth of God's word, and they have not guarded the, the churches by God's word and so he tells them both in titus and in first timothy and in acts you must teach doctrine you must teach bible truth that was when when paul looks back at his entire ministry do you know what he sees he says i'm not guilty of keeping anything back from you and and so the inference the inference is clear isn't it like they knew the gospel they knew the word of god they didn't just say they believed it from cover to cover and let it sit. They said they believed the word of God and they knew it. And here's the amazing part. The amazing part is they wouldn't have just because, I mean, chapters and verses didn't, didn't come into, <laughs> into existence until uh, sometime, I believe, in like the, 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 uh, the 12th century, 13th century, somewhere in there. My numbers may be off. I, I, may not, I may not be remembering that right. So prior to this, you just had... Acts, and you just had Romans. You didn't have Romans chapter 8, and you didn't have Acts chapter 20, uh, 20. So you know what the church would do? They would just read. And one of their pastors would then get up, the pastor who was in charge and involved with the preaching ministry, he would stand, and he would preach the Word of God, right? He would preach the Word of God. He would teach the Word of God. And he would declare the word of God to them. And he would make sure that the word of God was known to them. And so we have, we have within this that they would read whole books together. Man, could you, can you imagine that as a church? Like read, just reading Acts, like not even, not even, not even having verse numbers, right? Not even having chapter numbers. Not, none of that existed, right? They're just, just reading Acts together as a church. And then the preaching pastor standing up and preaching the Word of God. Can you imagine that? Knowing their doctrine, preaching and teaching to one another, speaking to one another. 
And they were on guard from false teachers. They knew that false teachers were going to arise. And so Paul says he trusts and trusts to them in Acts chapter 20 to the word of God and to the spirit of God. And Paul's warning comes true. Do you know that? As you read here, Paul's warnings become reality in Ephesus. You say, well, how do we know that? Well, if you look in with me to the book of Revelation, if you look, if you look in the book of Revelation, um, you will see where there is one church. And out, out of everything that they are doing, and they are doing well, they are guarding the truth and they're knowing the truth. And yet in the midst of all of this, what happens to the church in Ephesus? Jesus himself says, unless you repent of your lovelessness, I'm going to come and I'm going to take away your lampstand. I'm going to come and take away your candlestick. I'm going to come and take it away. I'm coming and I'm going to take it away. The very thing that Paul had warned them of had become an idol to them and they were in danger in the revelation of losing their light and their ministry. They were in danger of these things because their pastors had not continued to remind them of the truth that they had been charged with. And the congregation, or perhaps the congregation had quit listening. I, I don't know. But Paul's warnings nonetheless come true. It comes, they become true. In Titus, they become even truer. As he speaks to Titus of them, of them being taken away, of the false teachers not even being given, be given a voice in the church. And in 1 Timothy 1, 3 through 7, we're told that there were some who were authoritative in their sound, uh, in, their, in, their, in the way that they preached, and yet they were not preaching sound doctrine and sound truth. They were preaching law and legalism, or else they were preaching freedom from law, and therefore they just can do whatever you want to do. But throughout Scripture, it is plain that God's people must know God's Word. You must know God's Word as much as I must know God's Word. This is why we together as God's people must hold fast to the faithful word. We must cling to the apostolic teaching of God's word. We must cling to the truths of God's word, embrace God's word, and the sufficiency of God's word so that we may put into practice the word of God in our churches. And certainly a pastor needs to be a competent teacher Certainly a pastor must set forth the truth of God's word. And he, I mean, clearly he must do this so that the saints can grasp and embrace the truth of, their, of the word of God, right? I mean, there's no doubt about that. But if, if you are relying upon me for knowledge, your knowledge will be so limited because I only have about three hours a week to educate you, to teach you. And that's good, and thank you for giving that to me. But that's only three hours, right? This is why you must be in the Word for yourselves. This is why you must grow in the Word yourselves. You must know the Word yourselves. 
We must, we must understand and grow in knowledge of the word. So let me ask you a question. And, and all of that is great, right? So, but, but why should we ultimately care about, about any of this? Well, I think, I think there's, there's a couple of reasons we must prioritize preaching. Um, I think first and foremost, um, we prioritize preaching because the Word of God leads to salvation. As uh, the Word of God is preached, people are called to repentance and faith in Christ. But second of all, we prioritize preaching because it, cult- it cultivates a hunger for the Word of God in the people of God. Thirdly, we prioritize preaching because the Word of God is profitable for maturity. And that's why Paul goes on here in, 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 um, uh, in 2 Timothy, and he says that it's good for, for teaching and, re- and reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. Right? These things are important. And we prioritize preaching because the church has been given a solemn charge. And, and if you look here in 2 Timothy chapter 4, um, you will see that this solemn charge is serious. A lot of people treat the church of Jesus Christ as if she can be an add-on to their life. Um, we, we treat, often people treat the church of Jesus Christ like they could take her or leave her. Listen, do you understand, if, if that has been your attitude, or, and hopefully it's not, but, but if that is your attitude, can you possibly imagine anything more offensive? You say, well, how in the world could that possibly be offensive? Well, imagine walking up to me and say, your wife is ugly and I hate her guts. not going to engender any kind of confidence from me to you, right? Well, in a, much more, in a much more prominent way, when we say that the church is not a priority, when we say that the, that the teaching of the, of the Word of God is not a priority, we're saying to Jesus, we can take or leave your wife. She's not important. She's not important. So it's a serious charge that we're given by pastors to preach the word. And it is a significant charge by the pastors because it it is to be done over and over and over and over again. So for the pastor, and this is not in any way complaining, I'm not complaining about this, but there is, if if you've ever heard pastors talk about the tyranny of Sunday, you'll know what they mean from now on. Many pastors will speak of the tyranny of Sunday, which is Sunday's always coming. It doesn't matter how sick you are. It doesn't matter how sick your kids are. It doesn't matter how sick your wife is. It doesn't matter, it doesn't matter how sick people in the congregation are. Sunday's coming, and you had better be ready. And that's okay, because that's part of the charge of a pastor, to preach the Bible. And it's a significant charge, not just to preach the Bible, but to hear the Bible. And the extent of that charge is, is then, I think, clearly seen here in chapter 4, which is that it is to be, the, the, the Word of God is to be preached and heard persistently, right, with perceptiveness, right, and with patience or with endurance. We are to want to know. We are, the, preaching, the preaching of the Word of God should whet our appetite, right? It should be like a salt block 
right? It should be like a salt block that as the Word of God is preached, you know, that old cow will go out and lick that, uh, lick that salt and then it will run to, uh, you know, the barn or wherever, or that, 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 that donkey or that mule or, or that deer or whatever, right? We'll go and find water and then bang, or, uh, you know, for a deer, that is. Hopefully you're not shooting your donkeys and your cows. But um, the, the reality is, is that it's to, it's to make us thirst for something, for, for water, and so that's the, that's the reality of what preaching is supposed to do. It's supposed to give you a hunger, a greater thirst for the Word of God. And we're to put up with this. We're to put up with the preaching of God's Word on a regular basis. We're to put up with this. We're to want this. We're to need this. We're, to constantly, we're constantly supposed to be looking for this. Why? Because our hearts, as I said earlier, are idol factories, and we are constantly in danger of being led astray. And how do we keep from being led astray? Well, we're in the Word. We're listening to the Word. We love the Word. We're hearing the Word. We care about what the Word says. We want to know what God says. Biblical illiteracy, the thing that kills me about biblical illiteracy is that we live in a nation that is so filled with Bibles now, I know you could be like my son who came and brought me a, um, a Christian book distributor thing and said, Dad, do you know they're selling Bibles in here for $200? That's ridiculous, right? Well, sure, they're selling Bibles for $200. And yes, uh, unless, you, unless you're a Bible collector, you probably don't want to pay that. But in a place that is so readily available where you can buy a Bible, cheap Bibles, you can get outreach Bibles, five bucks. You can go get a cheap Bible. 20 bucks right you can you can you can pull up apps and all these other things in a world filled with all of this so often we take the bible for granted i saw a i saw a a missionary video not that long ago a couple years ago i guess of a, of a tribe uh, that, that up until this point had never received the Bible in their own language and the the, the plain lands maybe you've seen this too the plain lands and they are Everybody is around the plane and they are dancing and they are singing and they take these crates and they are literally walking them through the streets of their village and they are singing gospel songs, worshiping God because the Bible has finally been given to them in their own language. Could you imagine if that were our heart? We took such joy in reading Scripture. Now, this isn't to, 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 to bash you and say, well, read your Bible more. No, 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 no. That's, that's not the point. It's not the point of me saying, well, you should be reading your Bible more. We should all do that, but but that's not the point of what I'm saying. The point of what I'm saying this morning, my brothers and sisters, is that we need the Scripture to read us, to teach us, to guide us, to direct us, to help us know what it is that we're supposed to be believing and walking in, in truth in. We're to be walking in truth Walking in righteousness, walking in, in accordance with the word of God. We, it's not enough to say, I believe the Bible from cover to cover. We need to know what's in the Bible from cover to cover. And however you do that, that that's, that's between you and God. However you choose to read the Bible, that's between you and the Lord. But in the meantime, let us commit to reading faithfully scripture together, at least as a family. Now, 
at least together as God's people, that we can see and know the importance of God's word because God's word really just is that important. It is God speaking to us. And a church that is healthy and a church that is happy and a church who finds their joy in Christ is a church that prioritizes not just the preaching of the word, most certainly the preaching of the word, but also the encouragement for the, for the people the people of God, to read the Word of God. Let us do that. Let us encourage one another to that end then, brothers and sisters. Let's pray. Father, uh, help us this morning to, to, to not just say that we believe the Bible, as important as that is. Um, let us not just say that we, we love the Bible. Yes, God, may we ever love the Bible. But God, let us let us, let us humble ourselves before you and let us walk before you in the knowledge of the word of God, hungering and thirsting for the word of God, ever having pastors. Th- thank you for the faithfulness of the previous pastors over the years who, who have served this church in faithful ways and constantly preaching the Bible. And God, may this church always have a pastor in her pulpit who constantly preaches the Bible faithfully, fervently, fearlessly and god may your church be glorified here may your church be be edified um, um, as 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 we seek to make christ known in our community help us to to not give way to fear not to give way to fear but because we are settled in the word of god we can be with great confidence we can pray and worship and sing and give and also hear the word together. May you help us to do that now. Empower us through the Spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name.